0: everybody, and welcome to Will This Be On The Test? I'm Maddie. I'm Austin. And we're here today to talk to you about some things that we should have learned in school, but either didn't learn, didn't learn fully, or didn't learn correctly.
1: Yeah. And of course, sometimes we also talk about the random pop culture shit that we've seen this week and just decide to start talking about it.
0: Have we seen anything especially interesting pop culture-wise this week, though?
1: Uh, we we watched, you know, uh, Barack Obama give a commencement speech.
0: Oh, we did. Oh, my goodness. <sighs> I miss him. I miss him too. And I managed to not cry during his part. He had a good sense of humor during it and he really did sum up this age group. Uh my the last school I taught in, the first year I was there, these kids would be graduating from high school this year. I taught for a few years before that. They're all obviously beyond high school now. And he He hit the nail on the head like these kids are kind and smart and very aware of what the world is and they are ready to change it. I just really hope that they get to. I hope that we didn't fuck things up too badly as human beings and in this handling of this whole pandemic situation. I really loved seeing all of the kids showing stuff off and getting to talk and... God, though, we were talking about how they looked like babies. Yeah!
1: I think we were officially old because they all looked so... They all looked like babies and I didn't like any of the musicians.
0: Really? Yeah. The Platt Brothers?
1: Because the Platt Brothers were good.
0: Jonas Brothers? They were okay. I love the Jonas Brothers.
1: Eh, they're the Jonas Brothers. They're fine.
0: Nick Jonas is my favorite. Baby Jonas. Baby Jonas. But you love Ben Platt and you know it. I do. I didn't know he had two brothers that sang too, though. That was really cool to see. And I liked their little medley. Like, some of them were the graduation songs from our our years that we would make fun of back then, but they yep. integrated them really well.
1: Oh, God. All the I, th- I feel like... Also, we learned that every graduation speech is the exact same graduation speech. Yes. It just is way more obvious when you hear five of them back to back to back to back.
0: We graduated from high school together. Yeah! We met, was it our junior, junior year of high junior school? Junior year of high school. We did not date back in high school, thankfully, because we would not be together today. Nope. But.
1: We were both jerks in high school. <laughs> we're still jerks now, but we own it.
0: I don't think you were a jerk. I
1: don't know. I don't remember.
0: I was intense.
1: You were so intense.
0: It's like, I wasn't so much a jerk as I was just really intense. I was, like, the most straight-edge kid you mean meet. Like, I, I wasn't a none-of-you-should-do-this-either kind of kid, but I was a very focused, study-all-the-time, go I had a job I had extracurriculars I was like ready to take on the world and then I couldn't get anybody to help me with my college applications I was actually told oh we really only focus on the gifted kids for that and I had been in gifted programs but they refused to test me when I requested it when I got to our school which I've since found out is not legal in our state if uh, somebody requests it they at least need to start the investigation process so I was not able to get help so I just kind of gave up at the end of my senior year I was getting letters from places like Tulane asking me to apply. And I thought I wasn't worth it.
1: Yeah. Our our school counselors were hot garbage.
0: Yeah. I had a counselor. I switched from Catholic school to public school from eighth grade to ninth grade. And we went in to enroll me and we're sitting down with this counselor. And he actually said, you know, she should really only take one honors class because I just don't know if she can handle more than one. By senior year, I was like, honors and AP almost across the board. And yeah. so, but our graduation was so boring. I mean,
1: every graduate. I, I, has anyone ever been to an exciting graduation?
0: I mean, I think the most exciting one I've been to was the one we watched last night. Because yeah. they they actually cared about being engaging. Even, even commencement speaker Obama yeah. wanted to be engaging. I... Same thing at my college graduation. I was sick for both of them, too. Like, I was sitting there with Kleenexes up my sleeve. <laughs> I didn't even bother going to my master's one because I think they're so dull. And they're not about the learners. They're about the families and the school promoting itself, patting itself on the back. So we've been on, going on for a while. So I guess my point, kids, is that graduation ceremonies are... Not the reason you graduate, and they yeah. are not the thing to look forward to. No, Gra- I mean, and I know it sucks. You, some of you might have been the first person to graduate from high school in your family. This could, this was probably a very big achievement for many of you, not all of you. The ceremony means nothing in the long run. You won't remember what really what was said. You won't remember who spoke. You'll remember being bored.
1: Yeah, I, that's all I remember is sitting there listening to a guy who was just genuinely an asshole. Give a speech about togetherness, even though he hated everyone and everything.
0: I got along with him.
1: Oh, he, well, he continues to hate everyone and everything because he is like, he just is.
0: (laughs) Although I do remember he said, we are the first class, um, we started our, we started our high school journey at the, in the first year of a new millennium. And I sat there going, the new millennium technically starts in 2001 and we started in 2000, but that's the only thing that sticks out to me from that. (laughs) My college graduation was in December, and our commencement speaker was some dude who was like 3,000 years old and from the math department, So, and I was so sick. You can see it in all the photos from that day. I graduated from December of my master's program, too, and I was like, "Mm, no, I'm good, although I gather their normal May one was actually kind of awesome, the December one, not as big of a deal. So yeah, but class of 2020, I know some of you are done, some of you are not. Either way, you're awesome, and I know it seems like a lot of pressure and people keep telling you that you're going to change the world. But what I liked about Obama's speech is he said, you're going to fuck up. You're going to make mistakes along the way. And that's okay. I've talked about that in our bystander episode. You're going to mess up.
1: That is absolutely something that we never were taught and we should have been taught. It's like, you're going to make mistakes. Everyone has made mistakes. You're going to make big mistakes. You're going to make small mistakes. You just need to be able to move on past them. And we are not taught how to deal with mistakes.
0: No, because it's all about success, 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 success. success. That's hard to say. Success,
1: cause... success. Yeah. Yeah. Um... Um, sex, sex, oh!
0: <laughs> <laughs> and success was always about academic achievement, and it was about how to make a lot of money when you're older. It was never you're successful if you're kind to people. You're successful if you help people, and that's really what kind what success is. Success is not being the richest person around. Yeah, and
1: oh, oh also especially because we are in like suburban fucking hell. We were definitely taught that success is directly correlated to how much money you make. So if you're not making money, you're not successful, so you have failed.
0: And we're also still taught the American dream is getting married and owning a house and having children. Your American dream is whatever you want it to be.
1: Your American dream can be living in a food truck and throwing burritos at pigeons.
0: All I want my life is to live in a van. We've talked about that, though. Uh, The only other thing about this week, I guess, is Austin discovered (laughs) that I have a trick that I can do. He was I was rambling about something, and then he goes... How did you get from this topic to that topic? And I told him, and he goes, how does your brain do that? And I remembered that there was a game a friend of mine and I used to play back in like fifth and sixth grade.
1: Game in the loosest sense of the word game. Oh, it was a
0: game. And you had to take one topic and one completely unrelated topic and find the fastest way to connect the two. And so I think now my brain just skips over steps that I probably should verbalize. (laughs) Because half the time he just stares at me and he's like, I have no idea how you got to this thought. But when I explained it, it always makes sense. Yep. It's like, man, we
1: should go for a walk, go for walks more often. Slight pause. I wonder if the ducks are okay. <laughs> That's only a slight exaggeration.
0: I can't remember the last time I talked about. No, I talked about ducks the other day because I was talking about their, their spiral penises.
1: Ducks are serial rapists. Look it up. Also, another thing we didn't learn.
0: We also didn't learn that human males used to have hooked penises like cats, like barbed penises. You couldn't escape.
1: You can never escape barb.
0: So yeah, um, I highly recommend that game though. Like if you're bored and you're talking to your friend, be like, okay, connect these two things. And we co- and we try to do it with six degrees of pen and bacon. You have to do it in six steps or less. I think I can usually do it in three, but.
1: Yeah, she's really good. And it's like, I will just say like these two things. Like, connect this to this. And she'll just start talking immediately. And it'll just kind of like, where is she going with this? Where is she going with this? Oh, I see where she's going with this. She's crazy. The exception
0: (gasps) is he will bring up things that I did not learn about in school. And so I have to either base it on stereotypes, which I hate doing, or base it on the limited knowledge I have of something near it. Like he asked me to connect something to Zulu and I was like, I don't know anything about Zulu. So I'm going to talk about yeah. something from that general region. So it's a fun game. I guess we should just get started though. Let's get started. <laughs> We're right? explaining this game and then not playing it.
1: Yeah. No, no. You can play it at home. I'm awful at this game.
0: If you want to give me a topic, two topics to connect though, we are on all the social medias at On the Test Pod, and see if you can break me.
1: I, I welcome it. <laughs> So i get to go first this week. You do. So actually, there was something else in the news in pop culture recently that shockingly few people talked about or noticed. And that was when the United States government admitted, yeah, this is this UFO. We can't explain what this thing was. It's real. And we don't know what it is.
0: I got excited about that a few months ago. I remember when I was like, Austin, Austin, you have to come watch these videos of the Tic Tacs, of the Tic Tacs flying through the air. Yeah. And listening to like the Air Force guys trying to figure out what was going on, and then just getting really excited because you can hear them increasingly realizing this isn't a thing. We uh-huh. should not be seeing this. And so I knew about this already. I'm. I feel like the government tried to like release official statements this time, trying to distract us from everything else, but it didn't work.
1: Nope. We still- murder
0: hornets didn't work. Gypsy moths didn't work. We see what you're doing.
1: Yes. So are they just, like, now having, like, oh, no, there's noun bugs coming towards us. Actually, murder. I guess murder is a noun in some states.
0: Murder can be a noun or a verb. Yeah. And I guess you could turn it into, like, an adjective if you wanted to, but it would be incorrect. But like, he seems all murdery. You can
1: adjective any word.
0: You can. Um, you can also make, like, you know, serial killer into into an adjective. He's got them serial killer eyes. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, since
1: we're, everyone's talking about aliens... I was going to talk about SETI, or the Search for Extraterrestrial Intelligence, which we did not learn about in school.
0: I- uh- actually had a speaker come to my gifted program from the uh, the space place in Kansas. The, the
1: Hutchison Aerospace yes, Museum? Yeah.
0: The, or maybe it was the the Co- Co- Cosmosphere.
1: Cosmosphere. Okay.
0: Um, They came to Oklahoma to talk to us and she was like, I study aliens for a living. And she put on these little alien ears. And so I immediately was like, this lady is not going to be in You mean head. like
1: little alien antennas? Yeah. Oh, she's probably just trying to like, oh, it's kids. So I'm going to talk about something there. Yeah,
0: not thinking about that we were gifted fifth grade. I got into an argument with her.
1: Of course you did.
0: Well, she said that there is no possibility of extraterrestrial life because we haven't found a planet that's identical to ours. And I asked her, uh, how can we be so sure that alien life would need the same things we need? And she's like, well, all life needs what we need. And so I said, so why do we learn about adaptation in school? And why do we keep finding mm-hmm. things in the deep sea that we didn't think could have yeah, survived? Yeah, there's
1: um the word for these uh, organisms we found are extremophiles in which they live in places and areas that we thought you could not live in, like there's bacteria that live deep beneath the earth's crust like replicating slowly and getting all of their energy by dissolving minerals Mm -hmm. or like the deep sea vent life or all this other stuff that
0: thrives in space my teacher eventually had to ask me to sit down yeah (laughs) and i was not an arguer like with teachers at all you never had a class with me that's true i mean okay
1: You couldn't see the incredulous look I gave her when she said she wasn't an arguer. With
0: teachers, I was never an arguer, but she was wrong. (laughs) I'm not saying there definitely is life and planets that are not like ours. I'm saying if we dismiss the possibility, we are leaving out most of the universe.
1: Yep. So, I'm going to talk about all of that, too. So, shockingly, our search for extraterrestrial intelligence started with Mars, Mm -hmm. and this was also in the middle of the spiritualist movement when it was starting to peter down. So, some of it might actually be just, like, you know, people moving away from spiritualism to aliens.
0: Yeah, and it's actually an interesting thing. Um, I've heard from the boomer generation that all aliens back then were called Martians, and all aliens were referring to people from different countries, and so it's actually very confusing in some ways now. Oh, yeah.
1: So, it... In 1877, Giovanni Schiaparelli uh, announces that he observed canals on Mars, or see, actually it was in Italian, so it was canali, which means channels, mm-hmm. in which there were these straight lines that looked like canals or channels that had been dug on Mars. He didn't say that these were dug, he just said, I found these phenomenon that there are these straight lines. He didn't say that they were dug by people, but Percival Percival Lowell of the Lowell Observatory then made the leap that these were made by intelligent beings as like canals for- growing crops and moving around water. So there has to be intelligent life on Mars that dug these.
0: Kind of like how that one guy from NASA said we're in a solar minimum right now, which means that the sun doesn't have any sunspots and it's a little cooler. And the news set took that to mean we're going to have mass famine and, and it's going to have snow in July. Yep. And he was like, that is seriously not what I said. And also, global warming has nullified all of this. So,
1: yeah. So then he built the Lowell Observatory that I just mentioned in Flagstaff, Arizona to observe Mars more intensely. Because he was convinced that the Martians were up there and they were doing stuff and he needed evidence of them. And he was convinced of this until his death in 1916, that there were Martians there. Now, naturally, Life on Mars got a ton of media attention. It was like, again, everyone was convinced there's people on Mars. We need to get in contact with them. And it's inspired the H.G. Wells novel, War of the Worlds, in which they come and invade us and get defeated by our bacteria.
0: I used to teach War of the Worlds, the radio version of it. It's so cool. I can't watch... I can't watch the movie, though. The Is it Tom Cruise, Mel Gibson? Who is that?
1: Tom Cruise. I
0: can't watch it because the womp, womp noise scares the fuck out of me. What? Yeah, I also have a hard time listening to it because it has the same sound in it. That sound, it's... I can feel it physically. There's something about the tone of that sound that just puts me in a panic state. Maybe
1: you're from an alternate dimension that actually was destroyed by the Martians. Maybe. Explain a lot. And of course, you know, it also got a lot of people interested in space and space exploration and finding out things including Nikola Tesla. Mm-hmm. Uh, Because in 1896, Nikola Tesla theorized that you could contact the Martians with the new invention, the radio.
0: It's not the worst idea. Yeah,
1: this was actually, this is very similar to what we're doing now with a lot of our trying to find extraterrestrial life is by listening for radio transmissions. Now,
0: for you you youths out there, radio used to be something that we would like turn on in our cars and our homes and listen to people talk like we are right now. And sometimes there'd be music.
1: It's like really, really long range Wi-Fi, but you can only receive with it.
0: Yeah, and you can't control what you hear.
1: I know. Unless
0: you change the channel, and even then, you're not sure what you're going to (laughs) get. We know you know what radio is. We're just teasing.
1: So, yeah, and this was our really first concerted effort to find alien life. Was just listening to radio transmissions. Mm -hmm. Because in 1899, Tesla was experimenting with radio, and he heard a repetitive signal that only appeared when Mars was in the sky. Okay. So, what he... Now, what we was probably hearing was one of three things, because he didn't understand the technology at the time. It was uh, probably uh, hearing Jovian plasma torus signals which is b- basically mag- electromagnetic radiation coming off of the planet Jupiter or he was hearing uh, Marconi the inventor of the radios other radio experiments on the other side of the world and it just happened to coincide with when Mars was in the sky or it was just any number of things that produced electromagnetic radiation like lots of stuff
0: Are you going to talk about the blips from our own solar system or galaxy
1: I mean those those is too but don't think that's No I'm talking about is. the new ones The new ones Yeah No
0: like there's the The waves, like, we get these transmissions, for lack of a better word, and they come up every once in a while. But there doesn't seem to be any, like, regularity to them. There's certainly never been, like, two in a row. And we've never had one from within our own Milky Way. And we recently had two come from within the Milky Way. And they've because of where they are and when they are, they think that they're able to, like, pinpoint them. And they think it has something to do with black holes. Neat. Or aliens trying to communicate with us.
1: Yeah. So, uh, however, Tesla also claim that he was—he heard ghosts and spirit voices with his radio experiments. Again, this was a brand new technology and we didn't understand a lot of how it worked. So it was reasonable to kind of think that maybe this is what we were hearing.
0: I wonder if that's why Ghost Hunters still use like white noise and static and stuff.
1: Oh yeah, there is. Um, Tesla got so freaked out by his spirit radio that it was basically a crystal radio transceiver that he would hear like voices and strange noises. He got mm-hmm. so freaked out he smashed it.
0: Yeah, I would too.
1: So yeah, Tesla, not new technology, they didn't understand it. So it's, as modern listeners, it's easy to think that they're, like, being idiots. But they were following some level of rigor with it, and they thought, well, this might be true. And they did experiments to try and prove it and find out more.
0: However, just because you don't understand 5G doesn't mean it's trying to kill you.
1: I mean... Obviously 5G is trying to kill you and they accidentally set it from uh, turn people gay to turn people to coronavirus.
0: Yeah, there was a guy who posted that. It was pretty funny. Uh. So in uh 19 in the year
1: 1924 when Mars was the cl- Oh Let me go back a second because I skipped an entire paragraph. I'm good at this. So Tesla wasn't the only scientist who thought that radio was the best way to contact the Martians. Uh, Lord Kelvin, who was a scientist who you may have heard of his temperature scale involving degrees Kelvin.
0: Yeah, I never really understood that one.
1: Yep. And Marconi, the guy you were talking about who invented the radio, also claimed that they had picked up what they thought were Martian signals. So there was a lot of corroborating evidence that, hey, there might be life on Mars and they might be using radio when we can hear it. So all of this was pretty reasonable. So in 1924, uh, when Mars was the closest to the earth that it had been in over a century since we discovered radio the united states declared a day of radio silence more accurately they declared 36 hours of it in which for five minutes at the top of every hour all radio signaling would cease um the navy actually used an antenna on a dirigible nearly two miles off the ground to try to pick up any sig- radio signals coming from mars while it was its closest
0: Okay, what's a dirigible?
1: A blimp. A big old fucking balloon.
0: Okay, because my brain went to two places. One was Luna Lovegood's dirigible plums. Yeah, because they float. And the other one was didgeridoos, and I like the idea of it being from didgeridoos. Yeah, they,
1: yeah, they were using, uh, instead of radio, they, the wires got crossed, they were using a two-mile-long didgeridoo that had that had vibrations so low and deep it shook the time and space itself.
0: It's the War of the Worlds sound.
1: Yeah, it's a two-mile-long didgeridoo is how they make that sound. So this this program was led by an astronomer named uh, David Peck Todd. He was also assisted by an admiral and the United States chief cryptographer who was there to translate any alien messages we received. So this wasn't just a couple of crackpots. This was like very high up people in the government trying to figure out if there is life on Mars and like work together to advance scientific knowledge. The
0: cryptographer is like a code breaker, right? Yep, code breaker. Okay. I had to go through a few different uh yeah. few different routes in my head before I got there.
1: Um, as it may be obvious to you, modern listeners, they did not find evidence of Martians. We've actually found out that these canals that they were seeing are just not really there. There's no evidence that these are actually canals. It's just geographical stuff.
0: You know what's funny is I think in school we still learned about them and they were referred to as canals.
1: Yeah, they're not real. Uh, when we actually sent probes to Mars, they're just, they're not actually canals. They're just striations. There are evident. there is evidence of that there was running water on Mars, mm-hmm. but not in the way, not in a way that makes us think that there was an intelligent being that was digging canals to move water around. Mm-hmm. It was just natural water moving.
0: But water can't make its own canals.
1: It can't. That's no, what rivers can't. are.
0: No, it can't. That's what rivers Very are. intelligent life. Nothing can happen without humans or similar sayings, though.
1: Whoa. Yeah. So it, it didn't stop there, though, because people were already thinking, is there intelligent life in the universe? And maybe, they are, maybe we can contact them with the radio. This continued uh, with Project Ozma, uh-huh. Which was named after the uh, Frank o- the Wizard of Oz character by Frank Baum because Frank Baum claimed that he got the ideas for his later books by speaking to Ozma on the radio. Uh huh. Yeah. So it's like a fun little fact. So decided you know, if he was talking to aliens, we're just going to name it after him. It was a cute little name to name this project. Uh, it was started in 1960 by a Cornell Cornell professor Frank Drake. Uh, it was the first modern long term scientific search for extraterrestrial intelligence they were looking for distant they were looking for alien by trying to detect distant radio signals and they were in grand bank west virginia with an 85 foot diameter dish listening for radio signals uh they did 150 hours of observation over four years uh they were observing the stars of tau Ceti and epsilon erendi which were both fairly close uh between 10 and 20 light years from earth and they are they had stars similar in size and temperature to our sun so i thought if there is life maybe it's like us and these are two good candidates because they're close but relatively close i mean they're still hugely far and it's like maybe this is close enough that we can detect life here they did not find anything but they they'll no recognizable, no recognizable signals and they had one false positive from an airplane that was flying in the area that they were signaling in. It. Uh, it was pretty cool what they did was they just record these signals and listen and then they have people listen back to over what they recorded and see if they found any signs of signals so not, they didn't find anything, sadly. Then they had Ozma 2 which was from 1972 to 1976, in which they had a 300-foot diameter dish, and they monitored about 670 stars intermittently for signals. They did not find anything.
0: Did they not know yet that stars were balls of gas?
1: They knew that stars were balls of gas.
0: Well, then why would there be aliens on stars?
1: They're, but planets go around stars. So they're listening to the vicinity of these stars to oh, see if okay. there were signals coming from those stars. Okay. Yeah
0: from the area of those stars. Yeah.
1: I mean it's this is, these are radio signals. It's it is not like a pinpoint beam coming from the star. It's a big wide area. Okay. So, here's a. Also, here's some side notes on the city of uh, Green Bank, West Virginia. It is in the United States National <laughs> Radio Quiet Zone.
0: Sorry, I just thought you were going to say it. it's in the United States.
1: Yep. United States. It has some mountains and a national forest that partially shield it from outside radio transmissions. And also, there is no radio signals allowed in this area. No broadcasts. Uh people there's no broadcast radio. They have CB radios for emergency signals. No cell phones, no Wi-Fi.
0: So does no one live here? There are
1: people that live there. And there is even there's even like zones close to the radio telescopes because they have 8 radio telescopes there that are so like they are so strict about uh no electromagnetic interference that you are not allowed to drive cars that have gasoline engines because they do send off like enough of Enough of an electromagnetic uh, enough of an electromagnetic signal that it can interfere with these dishes.
0: All right. Uh,
1: the radio quiet zone is about thirteen thousand square miles.
0: How can you guarantee that for thirteen thousand square miles nobody's going to have a cell phone?
1: They have special cops with radio detecting equipment that if they detect a radio c- signal coming from somewhere other than like the allowed like emergency broadcasts from CB radios, they will go to you and ask you to stop for the scientific interest. They only use um, fines and enforcement as a last resort. Most of the time they can get about saying hey please don't do this it's important for science
0: so usually it's somebody who accidentally crosses over and doesn't realize Mm -hmm. that they're in there
1: there's no cell phone towers so you can't really get a cell phone signal and yeah
0: so like so cell phones if you don't have if you if they're on but are on like airplane mode do they still have radio signals I don't
1: know. I didn't look into it that far. Because,
0: like, I feel like, you know, it's a national park or national forest or whatever. People probably want to take pictures. Mm-hmm. So that, I don't, do they have to break a separate camera or can their phone just be on an airplane? Actually,
1: um, they uh, they don't allow digital cameras around these facilities either. You actually have to use film cameras for everything.
0: But, but what are those? Where it's are those? It's old. How do I mean, you I, was, I was also
1: talking about CB radios a second ago.
0: <laughs> I think most people probably know what those are yeah. just from like yeah only if you watch horror movies or sci-fi movies or have seen a truck driver only
1: a couple hundred people live in the area around this and are
0: most of them like working for most
1: of them are working for this oh also i'm gonna put this up green bank also has the world's largest steerable radio telescope it has a 328 foot diameter it was built in the year 2000 and it can fully move to look at different parts of the sky
0: can you have wi-fi there Nope. So like their only means of communication with the outside world are landlines. Landlines and, and CB emergency radio.
1: And rubia- CD ra- CB radio. So
0: basically, if you want to be a hermit but still have a job, this is the way to do it. Yeah,
1: actually, uh, this is also really cool. There is a small community there of people who claim that they have electromagnetic hypersensitivity.
0: Oh, actually, that's a thing.
1: No, it's not. They claim to have it. Well,
0: okay, no, I've seen, I've seen a medical show where people were claiming to have that And, like, they would get headaches near power lines and shit like that. There are actually, like, there are people who are more sensitive to it. I don't think it can, like, kill you or anything. Like, people claim it can. There's people
1: that that claim that they have felt, got relief from moving here. But in reality, it's partially psychosomatic and partially from, like, they're in a more remote area where there's a better air quality. Mm -hmm. And they think they were just reacting to that and not the actual presence of electromagnetic stuff.
0: See, what's interesting, though, is what I've heard, and granted, I can't remember where I read this, but people who feel like they're being watched but like by ghosts they tend to have be, have be in places that have higher electromagnetic fields yeah so there's something that there's something there there's something there but, but these, it's not going to kill you
1: these people um, they've actually done some testing on people who claim to have this there is no correlation between electromagnetic anything and their symptoms it is mostly psychosomatic and just front Basing from other problems, not this. There is no evidence to back up this is a real condition. I watched a show about
0: a lady who moved there because of this. Yeah. I just, like, I was trying to figure out where I'd seen the show, and she had a husband who was just sitting there like, Mm -hmm. you could tell he wanted to leave her so badly, but he felt like, I can't leave somebody who's this clearly mentally ill. You can leave. Not saying because someone is mentally ill you should leave, I'm saying if you are in a situation where you are just truly unhappy, it's okay.
1: I'm getting to something that you're going to love. In 1977, th- something happened and they call it the wow yes. signal.
0: Yeah, I actually was going to do an episode on this and I couldn't find enough information.
1: Oh, see, I just did so- I just went way broader with it and talked about all, all of SETI. Mm-hmm. In 1977... An observatory in Ohio State observed a 72-second signal from around Sagittarius that could not be explained by any known natural phenomenon.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It was named that way when the astronomer Jerry R. Ehrman noted it in the logs with a wow exclamation point, hence the name.
0: Yes, and I remember I liked his handwriting. Yeah, he had good
1: handwriting. So again, it has all the hallmark—most of, well not all of them, most of the hallmarks we would expect from an artificial signal emanating from a, from a distant, like, you know, civilization.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yep. 72 seconds, no natural phenomena. Uh, really, from where it was in the sky, no man-made phenomena could explain it either. There are a few possible explanations that don't fully explain it. Mm-hmm. That either it was a secret military program that was causing this interference, which...
0: Everything's a secret military program. military program.
1: Not a very satisfactory explanation. That there was a signal from Earth that was reflected off a piece of space junk.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But... It's, that was such a highly unlikely thing to have happened, and for the duration that this was. Yeah,
0: for 72 seconds. That's a really long time. Yeah,
1: for it to be in exactly the right orbit to reflect perfectly is very unlikely, and it like, had to be a fairly large piece of space junk, too.
0: If you ever had something in the microwave for a minute, you know how long that is.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and it just, the only thing that kind of makes us think it's not an actual alien signal is it didn't have any detectable modulation, which is modulation and radio signals is how we send information through them. So it was just a flat radio signal with like nothing. It'd be like static.
0: I feel like the keyword there though is we. Yeah. That's how we send information. Information mm-hmm. could be sent differently.
1: Yep. There have been many attempts to find this signal again, and so far it has not they have not been able to repeat this result, which means it was either a temporary thing or it's not a natural phenomenon because that would still be sending out electromagnetic radiation in detectable ways
0: what if it was a distress signal
1: it might have been because a distress.
0: our distress signals don't modulate yeah. it's just a tone that mm-hmm. gets sent out yeah. and what if it got cut off after one because they were in real distress what if yeah. we could have saved krypton
1: we could have saved krypton well now we're just going to end up stuck with a super powered baby who's gonna fight crime for truth justice in the american way
0: but then he disappears whenever that Clark Kent guy is around. But they look nothing alike.
1: I mean, what is- Clint
0: wear- Clark Kent wears glasses.
1: Yeah. It's like, what, if Clark Kent was Superman, how would he be able to see? He's not wearing his glasses. He
0: needs his glasses to see. <laughs> He does. And so Superman would not be able to save people. I mean, you can't be a superhero with glasses anyway. No,
1: Name one superhero with glasses. Other than Cyclops, he doesn't count.
0: And those aren't glasses anyway. It's
1: more of a goggle. Yeah. Not even goggles, plural. It's just one goggle, singular. No, we
0: all know that you, ha- you cannot in any way be heroic if you have glasses. Nope. And also, if you're a girl, boys won't make passes at you.
1: No, unless... You've got your hair up in a bun and you're wearing glasses. And I think, I don't know if she's attractive or not. Then you have the makeover scene in which your friend takes your hair down and takes off your glasses and suddenly you're attractive and you get to go to prom with Freddie Prince Jr.
0: That's how I caught Austin. Not with the prom part, but...
1: Freddie Prince Jr. Man,
0: one day he just saw me not have my glasses on and he was like... Oh my gosh,
1: she's attractive. Then she saw me without my glasses off and she's like, oh my gosh, he's got some beady fucking eyes.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's true. (laughs) We both have little eyes. Tiny, so tiny need, little eyes. So why we eyes. need glasses.
1: So yeah, that was, that was the wow signal. It's pretty cool. So, like, the U.S. government saying that we've seen a, a uh, UFO is not the only tangible evidence that there is intelligent life out there somewhere in the universe. Which brings me to SETI, the SETI Institute, which is the search for extraterrestrial intelligence. We are
0: just now getting to the overarching topic.
1: Yeah, this has all been background. And here's some more background. <laughs> So, currently, from Earth, we can observe about 4% of the known universe. Mm-hmm. That's all we can see from here. And even with the dozens of high-powered radio telescopes, telescopes, Hubble, and all of our probes sent into space, we have only actually observed and gathered data, data on a tiny tiny portion of what we can observe over the last hundred years there is still so much more we can see there's literally billions and millions of stars that we have yet to look at and even with the so we've only seen a small fraction of the small fraction we can observe we haven't seen everything yet so people kind of
0: like the ocean
1: yeah space is really big like (laughs) really big So Dr. Frank Drake, who we talked about earlier, who, from the OSMA experiment, uh, he made a probabilistic formula used to determine the likelihood of intelligent life out in the universe. And we've been, as we've been gathering data, we've been filling it in and trying to figure out, like, how prevalent life is in the galaxy. So it takes into account the number of stars in the galaxy, the number of those stars that have planets, the number of stars that have planets that can support life, the number of planets that have life that can produce intelligent life, life on those planets that develops the technology to to be detectable, like radio signals or sending out something... So basically, they've advanced to a point where they are detectable, and then the length of time that they released a detectable signal into space, like whether they went extinct, like they had a big nuclear war and all died, or they thought, oh shit, what if someone sees us and comes to kill us all, so they stop being detectable?
0: Mm-hmm. So, maybe that's what that one wow signal was, was seeing if there was someone out there who could see them. Yeah. Like, that would make a lot of sense to me. It's like, mm-hmm. okay, we are detecting that there's another place that has radio out there. Oh, fuck this. And like, shut it down, shut it down. Yeah. Because that's so- what we would do.
1: Mm-hmm. And even with the most conservative numbers, there are still millions of planets capable of having intelligent life on them out there.
0: How do we determine a a planet that's capable of having life versus intelligent life?
1: Um, it's, that one is a little bit weirder. It's like some, like, maybe it's a planet that can support life, but it's got such scarce resources that it really is ever going to support, like, microscopic life. It's never going to have anything that gets bigger than an amoeba. Hmm. Yeah. I don't like it. Nope. Nope. Again, it's a lot of, it's based on a lot of assumptions. A
0: lot of our stuff was originally just like bacteria that suddenly turned into shit. So
1: yeah. And it's, again, it's, this is all just like probability stuff. So what, what do we think this number is now? And just kind of giving us a range of stuff. It's not hard and fast. It's kind of a, even like kind of a thought experiment almost of like, there's so many stars and so many planets. There has to be other life out there.
0: It doesn't make sense that there isn't. Yeah. So,
1: and of course, there's even some debate whether we as humans have actually emitted signals strong enough to be detectable.
0: I mean, that's why we sent off those uh, things. Voyager probes? Yeah. Even
1: then, those haven't even, by some measures, those haven't even left our solar system yet. It's going to be millions of years before those ever get anywhere. Yeah. So it's, even if they can detect our signal, radio signals still only travel at the speed of light. Right. So really, our signals are about 100 light years away from us maximum by now, which is about less than one tenth of one percent of the way across the Milky Way galaxy. It would still be hard to detect our signals because they they could be weak enough that the background radiation from the Big Bang is interfering with them. So they'd require a powerful receiver pointed directly at us at exactly the right time. To be able to hear anything coming from us. So, and of course, it gets harder and harder to detect the further away you are.
0: I mean, again, though, that could be what the wow signal was. Just right place, right time. Yeah,
1: right place, right time. So it's, we might even, even though we know we are sending out these signals into the universe, we don't, we aren't even completely sure if those are gonna be strong enough to be detected. So...
0: And that's why some people think this is a waste of money.
1: Yeah, SETI actually trying to f- consider trying to figure out a way to send out a signal that could be detected and try and get someone to come to us, basically like a big like, "Hi, here we are." But they decided against it because they realized this should absolutely be a global consensus on whether or not we try to contact aliens. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of scientists who are against it. Mm-hmm. Stephen Hawking famously believed that if we were to make contact with intelligent life, it would be an extinction event for humanity, akin to how when European settlers arrived and just wiped out indigenous populations.
0: Oh. I don't know. I mean, if another civilization made contact with us, I don't know if Mm -hmm. we would do that. And there's,
1: there's also other theories like how come we're not receiving these things and whether or not there is an alien race out there that is looking out for like nascent intelligences like humanity that's just now hidden technological level to be detectable and they destroy them before they can become a potential threat. All of these thoughts that maybe detect, maybe setting like, you know, sending out a signal for intelligent life might be bad.
0: You know, Hawking was talking about us going extinct, but I wonder if he was actually more worried about us killing all of them.
1: I mean, if an alien l- race is technologically, technologically advanced enough to come to us, they are thousands of years ahead of us, technology-wise. I don't think they'd have any problem wiping us out. We could never even make it to their home planet. Currently, I don't think we could be a threat to them.
0: We could be a threat to whoever came just to say hi, though, like assuming yeah. they're a threat.
1: Yep. Yeah.
0: Because, yeah. I mean, just because they are more advanced than us doesn't mean that they're a threat. Mm-hmm.
1: but we also don't we're ha- basing
0: this on human beings and how we treat each other
1: yeah which is good enough evidence in my opinion to maybe not try and contact aliens
0: see I think we already have because octopus octopus
1: octopus <laughs> but- um, octopus there's like there's octopides. enough octopides there's enough of their dna that is different from other dna and like there's enough to think that they might be aliens because there's just not enough
0: they don't relate to other animals enough like yeah. their dna is different enough that it could be from elsewhere yeah and also have you seen them like like 10 feet ones can fit through two inch holes it's not okay yeah
1: the SETI institute is a private not-for-profit philanthropic philanthropically funded organization it was founded in 1984 and it currently employs 80 scientists they do research in astronomy astrophysics astrobiology climate and bioscience planetary exploration exoplanets which are planets outside the solar system trying to detect them and radio and basically radio signals and listening for those
0: i had gone into science because i actually wanted to be a scientist until i until i was told i was bad at math i this is probably the area i would have gone into not necessarily aliens but like astronomy area stuff.
1: So some of their current projects includes Laser SETI, which instead of detecting, um, basically it's a detector that can detect uh, bursts of laser light over a wide area of the sky, rather than what we currently have, which is looking at very narrow sections of sky with these radio telescopes. This would be wider range and hopefully easier to detect stuff with, uh, using artificial intelligence to analyze radio signals to see if there's something we're missing. So, and of course, they also have some current outreach, which includes um, a scientific education program with the Girl Scouts of America... Yay! A weekly podcast and lots of steam enrichment.
0: Do you know what their podcast is?
1: Nope. You suck. I know. I'm not going to... Please. They, got, they're they philanthropically funded. They've got enough sponsors. They don't need me.
0: We have zero sponsors. We
1: have zero sponsors. We have a cat that likes us.
0: Yeah, Draco's all up in here. He's sniffing around the microphone, so if you hear it knock over, that's Draco. Yeah. Hi, Draco! He's now, oh, now he's messing with the uh, little sound dampener thing we have. Yeah. What a good boy. So, I yeah, know, that, I know. Come
1: here. Come sit so with my Mo- mom. That, that was some talk about our search for extraterrestrial intelligence.
0: Do you know why aliens are called little green men? Why? Well, there is one family that encountered what they believed to be aliens. And they were like hopping around their, their cabin and the guys were going out and shooting them. And they just kept like disappearing and reappearing. And they were little gray men. But at some point, they either got misunderstood or it got misprinted as little green men. And that's what stuck.
1: Huh. So, are you ready for some, are you ready for me to ask some questions now? Mm-hmm. All right. Will the fact that prominent prominent thi- scientists thought that there were Martians on Mars be on the test? Yeah. yeah. Will the fact that Tos- Tesla Thought he heard Martians and ghosts on the radio be on the test.
0: Martians, yes. Radio uh, Ghosts, no.
1: Yep. Will the fact that electromagnetic hypersensitivity isn't real be on the test?
0: It probably should be. Although, like I said, some people are more sensitive to electromagnetic frequencies than others. Yeah. It's just not going to kill you.
1: Yeah. All right. We'll... we'll- Will the fact that there is a town where Wi-Fi is against the law and enforced by the police be on the test?
0: That's against my constitutional rights.
1: I want to go to Arby's. Or Denny's. One of those Y's place. Shoney's. Does Shoney's still exist?
0: Shoney's does still exist. Yes, it's in Missouri. Oh god, that place was bad. I liked their breakfasts. I used to get the tiny little squares of ham, but now I'm a little concerned about how they got the ham into those tiny squares. Square pigs. Okay.
1: Yeah, Duh. All right, and will the fact that in nineteen ninety, sorry, in nineteen seventy-seven, that we picked up a signal, where the only logical explanation is aliens, be on the test?
0: Yeah, I was taught that in school. Yeah,
1: I was not.
0: I don't think they framed it that way, but yeah, I was taught about the Wow signal. So
1: yeah, wow. <laughs> All
0: right, I'm gonna see how long you went because I feel like you went a long time. I went a
1: long time. Well, I mean, this ah. is just revenge for oh, you damn, last week. Son. What are we at? Fifty. Oh, please. That is a full 20 minutes less than you last week.
0: Yes, but you go for like 20 minutes total usually, so. Yeah. Well, you talked about ghosts and aliens. I'm talking about something that is also frequently associated with ghosts and aliens. Ooh. So my sources this week. Sources. Science Direct, Futurity, Medical News Today, Wikipedia, and the National Institute of Health.
1: Okay.
0: So last week I covered birth control, which was something we should have learned about in school. Even if it wasn't, you know, advocating, we should have at least learned what it was. This week, I'm talking about something that I think is definitely an important thing that kids should know about, and it's about their health, because it is a common affliction for adolescents that no one warns them about. Now, typically when we think of common adolescent afflictions, we think of things like acne.
1: And where is this new hair coming from?
0: Yeah, but I'm talking about sleep paralysis.
1: I learned nothing about sleep paralysis.
0: I had sleep paralysis a lot as a teenager. Started when I was about 15, lasted until I was about 18, 19. And I remember vaguely the first time it happened I woke up and I couldn't move. I couldn't speak. I could move my eyes. And that was it. And I knew I am awake. I was aware that I was awake. I knew I wasn't dreaming because I dream in third person. Yeah. What? I
1: dream in third person. Weird. All my dreams are first person.
0: I dream in third person. Once in a great while I'll have a first person dream, but usually it's third person. Huh. Which is probably for the best considering how many nightmares I have, which actually comes into play here a little bit. I, could, I was aware that I was awake. I could see the room around me and I could not move. No part of my body could move. And it felt like it would take hours. And I thought I was going to be stuck like that forever because no one had told me what this was. And then it just stopped. I could suddenly move. So this happened pretty frequently throughout my teenage years. And it didn't matter where I was sleeping, like on a couch or on a bed. Didn't matter what position I was in. It didn't matter, like, if there were other people in the room. It would just happen. But it's really scary when there's other people in the room because you can't tell them that something's wrong. Like I told you, I've I've warned you, like, if I get sleep paralysis, like if you notice that something's going on to kind of shove me just a little bit because it will knock me out of it. I don't know if that works for everybody. It works for me. And it became so frequent that I... Almost even got used to it. That's how often I got this. And I also learned that I can control my breathing just enough that if I took really big breaths, it might force my arm or something to move and I would be knocked out of it. And yes, I did see things during this. I saw things. I didn't hear things. A lot of people do. At the same time, though, my house was haunted. And I'm, ha- I'm talking haunted like I am not the only one who saw things there. People I had not told ahead of time that my house was haunted would come in and be like, what the fuck is that? So my house was haunted outside of the sleep paralysis. So six of one half is to the other for whether or not what I saw were hallucinations. But for most people, they're hallucinations. And we need kids to know that this is not something that can hurt you. This is not something that can kill you. It's just really fucking scary. So sleep paralysis is waking up and being fully conscious, but being unable to move or to speak. You can generally move your eyes and control your breathing, but that's it. It isn't uncommon to hallucinate, hearing sounds that aren't there, or even feel like you're exiting your body and having an out-of-body experience. Your brain will also turn perfectly ordinary stimuli that you tune out. Everybody's house just has noises. Mm -hmm. Not only will you notice them, they will sound deafening and threatening. Um, You are also likely to feel panic because you're paralyzed. And while sleep paralysis can happen while you're falling asleep or when you're waking up, if you notice that it's happening more often when you're falling asleep, you need to go to your doctor and get checked for narcolepsy because there's this thing called cataplexy where you are conscious but unable to move or you can't move very well. And it's often accompanied by these high emotional states, people like burst into tears for no reason, things like that. And it looks largely identical for narcolepsy and sleep paralysis in brain studies, but narcolepsy is more frequently the cause of it when you're falling asleep. Narcolepsy is treatable, but not curable. Sleep paralysis is not, when it's a standalone thing, treatable. So sleep paralysis can happen at any age, but it is especially common during adolescence and into your 20s and 30s. If you had it as a teen, you are likely to have it later on. If you didn't have it as a teen, you are not likely to have it later on. A 2011 study by Sleep Medicine Reviews reports that 7.6% of the general population, so people of all ages, have experienced sleep paralysis at least once in their lifetime. And this was an aggregate from 35 different studies. However, 7.6% of the general population, 28.3% of students experience it during the school year. And I'm talking teens and early 20s. What? Mm-hmm. Like almost a 3rd Mm-hmm. The only ones with higher rates were psychiatric patients and people with panic disorders. So you are, if you are a teenager who has a panic disorder or really any other mental illness, you are more likely to get these. Mental illness doesn't mean something's wrong with you. It just means that you are more likely to get sleep paralysis comorbidly with this. And I saw studies that even said that people in general in America have had uh, 25, between 25 and 50% of Americans in general have had at least one episode in their lives. But even then, it is most common among adolescents. So guys, if you could sleep paralysis... You're not the only one. You can tell people it's okay. Sleep paralysis is a type of parasomnia. Parasomnia is a group of sleep disorders that basically make sleep terrifying, which kind of makes a lot of sense with me. It can include things like sleepwalking, night terrors, nightmare disorders. I didn't know nightmare disorders existed, and it makes a lot of sense. And exploding head syndrome. Go on
1: about this exploding head syndrome, if you would, please.
0: Okay, exploding head syndrome. When you're falling asleep or when you're waking up, you hear an extremely loud sound. It can be a gunshot, an explosion, a scream, a crash, something like that. And it sounds very real. And so basically they call it exploding head syndrome because it's like there's an explosion in your head.
1: I am very disappointed. I thought that was going to be cooler.
0: Yeah, but it's actually, it's it's really scary. Um, I had one incident w- that I attributed to ghosts when I was seven, but now I think it was exploding head syndrome. I was falling asleep, and then all of a sudden my walls started screaming. Huh. And that's when I walked into my room where my dad was, my dad, parents were when my dad was, and I was like, there's a ghost in my room, and he was really mad, and he was watching that gangster movie. Which one did we realize it was?
1: Uh, Scarface? No. Goodfellas? No. Godfather? No. It was a gangster movie.
0: The one with the scene that had the baseball bat in the in the meeting room. And that's when I came in. So that was a great night. <laughs> um, and also exploding head syndrome, you can see a flash of light sometimes with it. So it really does seem like something exploded or there was a gunshot. I mentioned this one because this one is also more common when you're a teenager and when you're under a lot of stress. So obviously, if you think you heard a gunshot, find out if it was a gunshot. But it doesn't mean your brain is broken. <laughs> so this is kind of how sleep works. When you're asleep... And when you're going to sleep, your body relaxes and your voluntary muscles don't move. This is kind of in theory to me, because as Austin can attest, I'm a kicker. Uh
1: Uh-huh.
0: But this occurs... More of a
1: flailer than a kicker.
0: This occurs to keep us from acting out our dreams. The fact is, though... There really isn't a definitive answer about what causes sleep paralysis, but it's generally believed that there's something wrong with your REM cycle. Your REM cycle, it's rapid eye movement and it consists of four stages. The first three are non-REM, the fourth is REM. Non-REM one is when you start to fall asleep, your body relaxes, you might have muscle twitches and everything starts to slow down. And it, my, I have insomnia and the only way I know I'm starting to fall asleep is when my muscles start twitching. That is the only indicator I have that I'm about to fall asleep. Like huh. most people close their eyes and are tired. I'm not. My, my muscles, my body goes to sleep before my brain does. Non-REM sleep part two is when you start to fall asleep deeper. Your body temperature drops. Your eye movement stops. There is slower brain activity, but it does have bursts of activity. This is the stage you spend the most time at. Then three, non-REM sleep is when your brain is super, souls are really relaxed. This can be very hard to wake up from. Like when you're trying to wake somebody up and they're just not waking up, they might not be being stubborn. They might be in stage three REM. And this is the stage that actually lets you feel rested. And then stage four is REM sleep. Your eyes are rapidly moving from side to side. Your brain actually acts almost identically to how it does when you're awake, as does your breathing, heart rate, and blood pressure. Hmm. So because of how awake your brain becomes, your body becomes almost equally awake. Luckily, your body has shut down voluntary muscle movements, which is why you do not act out your dreams. Uh, You are less likely to spend time in this stage the older you get. So the older you get, the shorter your dreams are. And this starts about 90 minutes after you initially fall asleep. So
1: basically, as you get older and older, your dreams die.
0: In more ways than one. Hi, class of 2020. (laughs)
1: <laughs> so, hi, uh, I'm guessing I'm gonna make my graduation speech now. Hey, kids, your dreams are gonna start dying. Everything is gonna be worse, but it's also gonna be better because you're not in high school anymore. And let's face it, high school sucked.
0: I liked high school.
1: What is wrong with you?
0: I did. I liked high school. I had really good friends and I was involved in a lot of stuff. And also, they don't have forensics for adults.
1: They do. It's called being a lawyer?
0: <laughs> That's debate. Thank oh. you very much. Um, So you need to understand the REM cycle to understand why sleep paralysis might happen because it isn't something that happens every time somebody who has sleep paralysis goes to sleep. It is very hard to study, but there have been some studies. What we do know is that your REM cycle and your brain aren't communicating correctly, which seems weird because your REM cycle is in your brain, but I'll clarify that in a little bit. The question we can't answer is why? The first theory is that the REM cycles are overlapping in a way that they shouldn't. Those who have sleep paralysis often have shortened cycles. Every step of the cycle is shortened and shortened latencies, and that is the time between the cycles. Their cycles also might be fragmented, meaning there are a lot of disruptions between when they should happen, lots of waking up as well. Okay. That's a pretty simple explanation. The second one is more complicated in which is your neurons are not firing like they should. And this one actually makes more sense to me. So you have chlorogenic neurons. And okay, guys, I tried my best. I actually had to read like 20 different scientific studies to figure out what this, I'm not exaggerating. I read through at least, at least 10 studies to try to figure out what these words meant. Wikipedia was not helpful. You um. should
1: have understood what I did when they were talking about radio signal shit. It's like, signals, that could only be explained this way.
0: <laughs> well, you need to know what these are to explain this, though. Okay. Chlorogenic neurons, if I understood it correctly, are responsible for starting and maintaining REM sleep, and they become overactive. So they are overdoing your REM cycle. And then serotogenic neurons, which turn off during REM sleep, are underactivated. So these, the serotogenic ones, they These neurons are not hearing the signals from the cells that are telling your brain to stay asleep. So
1: what I'm hearing is, is that your neurons are overachievers just like you are?
0: No. um, Okay. Well, your chlorogenic neurons are overdoing it, and those are the ones that make you stay asleep. Okay. Your serotonic ge- neurons, which are the ones that tell you whether or not you're asleep, they aren't working right. So basically, the chlorogenic neurons are like, we're asleep, we're asleep, we're asleep, and the serotoninic neurons are like, sorry, I'm too busy listening to a podcast and I have my earbuds in.
1: Wow. These these neurons are describing a lot of your personality. <laughs>
0: So it is easier to be woken up by stimuli during, uh, if this happens, stimuli that your brain normally doesn't process while you're asleep. So think about how often like the cat, Gigi especially, jumps on you and off of you during your sleep and I tell you about it and you didn't Uh wake up at all. Oh yeah. Because your body has blocked that out. Now when we first got Gigi, you woke up every time. But now your body is like, okay, I can still be asleep. This is not a threat. Or sounds around the house. Normal house sounds. You sleep through them because your brain is going, this is a normal thing. Oh,
1: God, like the fucking trains.
0: Oh, yeah. We don't even notice the trains when they go by unless we're recording.
1: Yeah. uh, We're about 100 yards from the train tracks. Mm Mm-hmm. And right where they sound the stupid horn.
0: They told us they were going to get rid of the horns. They lied. They lied. It is because the serotogenic signals are not being told we are still asleep. Your brain starts hearing the things that you would normally block out, even when you're awake, but especially while you're asleep. So you are a lot easier to be woken up by completely normal stimuli. But your chlorogenic neurons are way overdoing it and telling your body, I'm still asleep. So serotogenic neurons are going, wake up, there's a stimulus. The chlorogenic neurons are going, you're still asleep. So while both of these things happen, when these happen simultaneously, your brain wakes up and your body doesn't. That's sleep paralysis. So that is the theory I think makes the most sense rather than, oh, your REM cycles are just fucked up.
1: It could even be a bit of both, really. Brains are complex.
0: Well, I mean, these would obviously affect your room cycle, too. And we also know that genetics play a role. If your family members have sleep disorders, including but not limited to sleep paralysis and other parasomnias, you are more likely to have sleep paralysis. If one identical twin has sleep paralysis, the other one is very, very, very likely to have it as well. More so than a lot of other things that are thought to be genetic. There are other external causes, though. So if this might not just be your brain chemistry messed up. And Uh, especially if you don't get this often, chances are something else is happening. So if your sleep is highly disrupted, which is a common issue with teenagers because we make you wake up too early to begin with and then we force you to have all-nighter study sessions or maybe you've got Fortnite. Or if you're like me, you get too wrapped up in a book and you're awake all night.
1: Oh God, that's happened to me where I've been reading a book, reading a book, and then all of a sudden my alarm goes off. It's like, oh shit.
0: You just spit on me.
1: I was drinking water and it got in my mustache.
0: But that's going away.
1: Yeah, I'm shaving to be better at wearing a mask because I'm a good fucking person, damn it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and we both love the we both love the beard. I'm going to miss it. So like if you, if control? your sleep is highly disrupted, you have a, if you pull an all-nighter, basically the when next time you fall asleep, you are more likely to get sleep paralysis. If you can't sleep regularly, meaning at the same time every day, more or less, you are more likely to get sleep paralysis. If you are a shift worker, meaning you work different shifts, you are more likely to get sleep paralysis. If you sleep on your back, you are more likely to get sleep paralysis. For me, it could happen in any position, but fetal position was the least likely. And you've noticed that's how I always sleep now.
1: You start to sleep that way, but then you uh, flail in your sleep and you eventually sleep in um, distressed starfish.
0: You are also more likely to have it if you have other medical issues. I already mentioned narcolepsy, but it can be in conjunction with any, pretty much any other sleep disorder, including sleep apnea. If you think you might have sleep apnea, go to the doctor. Sleep apnea, unlike sleep paralysis, can kill you. And we don't want that. We would lose listeners.
1: I know. We don't want to lose listeners. And also, you have human life and are therefore valuable.
0: I'd say like 8 out of 10.
1: Yeah. I mean,
0: (laughs) so... Eight of our 10, only eight of our (laughs) 10 listeners have value.
1: You can decide which two don't.
0: (laughs) Also, if you have mental health issues like depression and especially anxiety, you can get this and you can get it a lot. Uh, Those with migraines and hypertension, also more likely. If you're going through a particularly stressful time, even if you are sleeping regularly, you are more likely to get it. So, during testing season in school or when you've got a big job interview coming up, things like that. So, bit so or testing. Or leading up to a wedding. So,
1: testing season. So, all the time in school. Now. Yes.
0: And additionally, white people are less likely to have it than people of color.
1: God damn it. How would this, our privilege doesn't even stop when we go to bed? Well, I
0: want you to think though, especially in America, how much more anxiety and stress and fear, I'm not saying universally, but in like we've seen the videos. Oof. Like This week alone, there have been like 20 new videos of people of color being beaten by cops or stopped by the homeowners association. So there's just inherently more stress because of the system we have. And that's not okay. It is fairly evenly split between men and women, though. There are also cultural aspects. So there are some cultures that are more likely to have a systemic belief system. And they do come from all over the world, but it is more frequently in cultures that are not white. So when you experience sleep paralysis, you are likely to have hallucinations. These can be visual, auditory, sensory, or a combination and fall into three categories. One is intruder, there is someone in the room or trying to enter the room who should not be there. You could think you hear or see doorknobs turning, hear footsteps, see a shadow or sense a presence in the room. Basically there's someone there who shouldn't be, or there's trying, someone trying to get in who shouldn't be. Two is the incubus. This is the one that you will hear the most about if you watch paranormal reality shows. This is a pressure on your chest that makes it hard to breathe. You may feel like you're being choked, smothered, or even sexually assaulted. Some people see a creature sitting on their chests during this.
1: Oh my god, I've woken up so many times to a pressure on my chest, and I've seen a creature there.
0: Her name is Gigi. Oh,
1: it's one of our cats.
0: And then vestibular motor. This is the feeling that you are moving through the air, falling, spinning, or having an out of body experience. You can have a combination of the three. Most people typically have one, but. And I think all of us have had the thing where you wake up feeling like you're falling. So I think that's probably in yeah. the same vein. You just, your body did suddenly realize, oh shit, I'm actually awake. While this is happening, your brain will go into overdrive and your midbrain, which is the, like, not the fear center, but that's kind of where that is, will cause you to become hypervigilant. Your brain goes into overdrive and goes, I am stuck, because you can't move, and vulnerable to predators. Since you are helpless in this state as you can't move, you are more likely to panic. You are, in a way, still dreaming. So where in your dreams, whereas in your dreams, you can usually run or protect yourself in some way, you literally cannot. A lot of people have those nightmares where they try to run and they can't. But in this case, you're awake and in your own home or wherever you were sleeping. And that in a way makes it more scary because you know you're awake. But if it brings you any comfort, while it might feel like hours, these usually last only one to six minutes.
1: Oh, only one to six minutes.
0: Yeah. And like I said, a minute in the microwave feels like forever. Yeah. Especially if you're in the microwave.
1: I've never been in a microwave before. Well, actually, I guess I have been in a microwave, but like to put stuff into it to reach or reach in and take something out.
0: But like it feels like forever. It's not. There have been episodes that have been recorded. Recorded that are longer, but this is typically what you're looking at. There have been studies done on medications that are predominantly used for narcolepsy that are promising, but they have not been approved for sleep paralysis by itself. There also, there is some evidence for cognitive behavior therapy being helpful, which is a type of therapy that helps people deal with bad thoughts or process trauma and learn to control their reactions. Basically, it's kind of a, this is what is going on. This is how I can handle it kind of therapy. So they try to make you, when you're in a state of sleep paralysis, say to yourself, sleep paralysis is a thing that happens. This is a medical thing. It will go away. The things I'm hearing and seeing and feeling are not real. However, there have not been many studies to actually, Actually back up that this works and it can cause problems if you apply the system universally. Like I mentioned, there are different cultures earlier. You, this would not be a good thing to apply in certain cultures. If people from certain cultural backgrounds come in wanting to handle sleep paralysis, you do not want to use this. I'll get to that in a okay. But I do want to say like, I didn't learn about this until the issues had stopped already. I was afraid to tell anybody because I thought I was like, I I thought I was, I had ghosts. I did tell people about that people who I knew were like on my team with the ghost thing. But overall, it was something I'm like, I didn't want people to think I was crazy. So here's what helped me. This is just me. One is remembering that it has always stopped because it happens so often that I finally, after while was like, okay, this has always ended before. The things I'm seeing have never actually gotten me except for the one time they threw me out of the bed. But that also, okay, scientifically I understand that also could have been my body suddenly waking up and mm-hmm. and kind of bouncing me. Because all my muscles could have just been like at the same time, oh shit. So yes, I recognize that. But as soon as it happened, I ran the fuck out of the room and I didn't look back, so... <laughs> <laughs> So knowing the things that scared me had never actually hurt me. And that's true. They never did hurt me. Focusing on my breathing. That was something I could control. And like I said, if I breathe deeply or if I breathe quickly, I could usually get something to move. However, be careful to not hyperventilate and pass out. Or if you're like having a sleepover or if you have a partner you sleep next to, tell them ahead of time. Like, if you notice my breathing change, wake me up because I might be having sleep paralysis and I'm scared as fuck. And then tell somebody that this, ha- that this is going on. Uh, that way, if there is any chance of it being something other than simple sleep paralysis, you can get the assistance you need. While it is important to remember that this is a known medical issue and that you should not be scared of the things around you while going through it. I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about the different cultures. This is really interesting. I thought this part was fascinating. I'll talk about some of the individuals in a second. But scientists uh, have found that culture itself can can affect the rate of sleep paralysis in the community. Denmark does not have any major supernatural beliefs around sleep paralysis and view it as strictly medical. So they do not have high instances of this. It is a very low instance. Egypt, on the other hand, has a lot of supernatural beliefs around it, and a study found that they experience sleep paralysis three times more often than people in Denmark. Wow. Yeah. So if you are from a culture that fully believes that there is a supernatural cause, you might be more likely to experience it. Now, I'm not one saying that your culture's beliefs are wrong because I fucking believe ghosts are part of are part of this for at least some people, but it is just something to bear in mind. And that is one of the risks of cognitive behavior therapy because if somebody comes in and says, "I'm having a lot of sleep paralysis," they're like, "Okay, cool. Let's talk about why you're wrong." <laughs> Let's talk about why this is not, this is all in your head and why it's all it's all made up. Well, if you come in going, my culture believes that this is what, what caused it, it's the evil eye, it's a bad omen, things like that, and they're telling you, well, you're just stupid, at best, people are going to get offended and leave. At worst, they're going to feel bad about their own culture, which causes additional stress, which causes... Sleep paralysis. So here's a few of them. You will often hear sleep paralysis in general are called called the old hag or the night hag thanks to the type of hallucinations people see. In Scandinavia, the sleep paralysis is caused by a mare who is a damned woman whose body is carried without her knowledge while she sleeps and then set on people's chests to give them nightmares. Uh, Mongolian culture views nightmares and sleep paralysis uh, similar views, using the phrase derak. K- de de rak- meaning to be pressed by the black or when the dark presses. And they believe that it is the dark personified, like Ooh. dark, the concept of darkness. Uh, Mong culture believes that it is caused by a spirit called the Dabtsog, which sits on their chests and sometimes strangles them. Some people believe that it is the reason that sudden, unexpected nocturnal death syndrome happens, and that's SIDS for older people. It is worth remembering if you are scared that there are no scientific studies connecting sleep paralysis alone to death. If you believe you have a comorbid sleep disorder, though, go check it out. Uh, Kashmiri mythology says that this creature is called a pakadar, which lives in every house and attacks people if the house has not been cleaned or if the god is not being appropriately worshipped or if they think that the person has been doing or thinking bad things about others.
1: Okay, so when they say cleaned, are they talking like ritually cleaned or like you missed a spot dusting?
0: I actually interpret it as you missed a spot dusting.
1: Okay. So basically, oh, so in other words, there's like something in every house that if you don't straighten up, be nice to your neighbors and be a good follower of religion, uh, you're going to be attacked by the pakidari. Uh, Pachydar. Pacadar.
0: Yeah, I'm, pa- uh, no, pikdar. 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 Okay. Um, I'm currently reading a book uh, by The Wealth the Night Vale people called The, the Faces old Woman Who Secretly Lives in Your Home. Okay. And she lives in every home. So I don't know if they got the idea for her from this. And the book's read by Mara Wilson.
1: I know that like lots of cultures have like household spirits, Mm -hmm. but this one sounds like it um, is a bit more active and Mm -hmm. like has more defined rules.
0: In Pakistan, they believe that it is an encounter with shaitan or Satan, evil jinns or demons specifically called, and as you guys know, I speak English and a little bit of Spanish, Bakhtakir Ifrit. And it is believed that it is black magic that was performed by someone else uh, who was like angry at you or jealous of you. And so people, especially girls and young women, wear amulets to ward off the evil eye. I should probably get one of those. Uh, In Sardinia which is part of Italy. Where they
1: have the uh, exploding maggot cheese.
0: Yes. The demon is called the amutadori. It sits on their chests, suffocates and scratching them. Some believe that he even wears seven red caps on his head. And if the person he's attacking resists the fear and steals one of the caps, they will soon find treasure.
1: So what, where's, what are these mornings like When you wake up, I'm going to have a red cap in your hand. It's like, oh my gosh, where'd you get that red cap? And you're like, we'll find treasure.
0: Well, I've never seen that one. Oh. Um, Which actually is the next one. And there are dozens of these. I just picked out the ones I found the the most unique. The Americas, we have our own versions. In the States, it is often associated with alien abductions. Most people who have abduction stories are believed to experience, who have experienced a, uh, a session of sleep paralysis because you do have the bright light people see and the out of body experiences and the hallucinations. So sleep, sleep paralysis really can easily explain away alien abductions. It can't necessarily explain away some of the physical symptoms people come back with though, which is kind of where things get a little murky for me. Again, I'm not saying people have been abducted by aliens. I'm just not willing to rule anything out. It's yep. kind of my whole my whole view on life.
1: I'm definitely going to say a majority of alien abductions are probably sleep paralysis. Oh,
0: yeah. But again, that could have been ghosts.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, Alien ghosts. We don't know if there was aliens who died on Earth with unfinished business, sure. and they just abduct people as ghosts.
0: Um, In the South, she's called a hag and is an omen of something bad that will happen. And... The one that I experienced was shadow people, which usually comes in three forms. A man with a hat, the old hag, or a hooded figure. Mine was none of those. It was a shadow figure. There was actually a set of three of them. Sometimes it was one of them, sometimes all three. There was definitely one who was in charge. And they weren't only there when I was asleep. So... But I do believe 99% of cases of sleep paralysis are just medical. I just think my house was super haunted. Um, at the same time, though, if I had known about sleep paralysis ahead of time, maybe my high school experience would have been different. Maybe I would have never thought my house was haunted. Maybe I would have been able to realize when it was going on that this is a thing that happens to teenagers. So like teenagers, parents, teenagers, if you're listening, don't be freaked out by this because I wish someone had told me that this is a thing that happens. I never had the opportunity to try to talk to myself about what was going on. I just thought everything I saw was real. Whether or not it was, I don't know. Uh, But for most people, this is a brain misfire. Your body is awake. Your body is asleep. Your brain is awake. Things aren't firing correctly. It will go away in a few minutes. It's so like, maybe my high school experience would have been completely different. Maybe I wouldn't have thought my house was haunted as much if I hadn't had sleep paralysis, if yeah. somebody had just told me what it was. My house was still haunted, though. Okay. Other people saw stuff.
1: Yeah. I mean, that, ho- that house was definitely creepy. It still is a little creepy. Yeah,
0: no. Uh, like, you can't
1: tell your mom that, though.
0: <laughs> other people saw stuff. I'm, like, people got thrown across the room and stuff moved. And my dead Furby woke up and started screeching. I had to beat it to death.
1: What? Yeah. You, I, you're dead fir- you had to beat a Furby to death?
0: A zombie Furby Yes
1: Ooh I think you just wrote A next an- Another well, good like, horror movie you've
0: been dead For months and months and months And so it was just sitting in my room. And all of a sudden I've got a friend with me and it just screams play. I look over and it's like, doo 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 doing its thing. And then it just starts screaming and rocking back and forth rapidly. This is not a thing Furbies do. And so I ran over and I picked it up, tried to take the battery out because the battery was dead. It should have been happening, but whatever. Well, it had one of those screw bottoms, but I had a four poster bed. Mm -hmm. So I went over to the footboard and I just started beating the damn thing against the (laughs) footboard until it broke. I ain't afraid of no ghosts other than the times they made me run from my house.
1: I need to remember to be nicer to you. Yeah. Or at least not start screaming and rocking back and forth.
0: Yeah, I'd appreciate it if you didn't do that.
1: I'm sorry. Especially because
0: you're hairy like a Furby.
1: I am hairy like a Furby. Play? No. No? <laughs>
0: All right, are you ready for some questions?
1: Ready for some questions.
0: Will the fact that sleep paralysis is relatively common for teenagers be on the test? It
1: really should be. Mm -hmm.
0: This should be actually part of your health and sex ed courses. Yep. Stuff that you should just be ready for. Because, like, we worry about sex ed. We don't think about it in terms of being a general health ed course. We need to, like, Hmm. health education is not just this is your body. It's, yes, this is your body. This is what sex is. I make hand motions.
1: Um, (laughs) Those are some very dirty hand motions. I'm glad this is only audio. (laughs) Otherwise, we would be banned in most countries
0: but it's also you know here's how to take care of your skin appropriately here is good sleep health and things that can happen if you don't like sleep paralysis here is how to have good interpersonal relationships like that's health is all inclusive and because we're Mm -hmm. so afraid of sex ed we've gotten rid of health
1: or even just like talking about this is what anxiety is
0: that's a big one (laughs) this is what anxiety is this is what depression is this is what suicidal feelings are because a lot of kids you know they feel very alone in that And and also a lot of them aren't thinking I want to die it's i want this to be over or uh-huh. i want a break or i just want things to slow down i like a lot it doesn't it's not always a clear a b and, like, this is also, like, this is how you help somebody who seems to be experiencing these, like, health health classes are structured to be all-encompassing, but because we're so scared of sex ed, we've gotten rid of all of it. Yeah. And because of that, kids are terrified when they get sleep paralysis. Will the fact that it's normal to hear and see things while in sleep paralysis be on the test? Yes. Will the fact that cultures with a heavy belief in the supernatural surrounding sleep paralysis have more cases of it be on the test?
1: Mm- ooh. That's a tougher one, because I can see the reasons for yes, Mm -hmm. because it's like, hey, it's like, because it is really supporting like a lot of it's in your head, because if you're in a place where it's talked about more and it's more accepted, Mm -hmm. it's more prevalent, whereas in a place where it's like not, it's like, oh, this is just a health thing, so they don't worry about it as much.
0: Yeah, but it's also really hard to make sure that you're talking about it in purely scientific terms and not anti-cultural terms. Yeah. It's kind of like when I used to teach um, mythology, and I would teach mythology, like, oh, I was teaching Shakespeare, I was teaching theater history. And so I was like, guys, I'm going to refer to a lot of belief systems as mythology during this. I'm going to talk about Greek mythology, Roman mythology, and I'll probably say Christian mythology. I'm not saying that your beliefs are myths in the sense that they are lies. I am saying that, like, myth literally means story to explain, basically. So... Like it's not an anti-cultural thing. It's this is just fact, um, and honestly, it doesn't mean that there wasn't an old hag sitting on you. It doesn't. Um, it just means that you are more likely to have it if your culture has told you that you're going to have it. Which kind of sounds like it goes against what I was just saying about health ed. Mm-hmm. But health ed doesn't tell, shouldn't tell you you are definitely going to get it. Like they don't tell you you're definitely going to get syphilis. Um,
1: um they did it at our school because oh, if true. you have sex, you're going to get syphilis eggs, syphilis and eggs, syphilis, AIDS. <laughs> By the way, uh, don't go to Denny's. They're serving this new thing called syphilis and eggs. It's disgusting.
0: But it's like, we don't tell kids that you're definitely going to have things happen to you. It's just, this is how to recognize things. That's how it should be taught. And then will REM cycles be on the test?
1: I mean, they already are. Because I remember learning about those in school. I didn't.
0: So that is sleep paralysis. Wow. Yeah. um, And gosh, I don't recommend getting it, guys. It is so scary. But like, especially like if you're a parent of a teenager, because I'm assuming not too many teenagers listen to us. Tell them about this, please. Like, tell them like, if you're ever having an issue with sleeping, such as not being able to sleep or falling asleep suddenly or waking up unable to move, let me know so we can get it figured out. Mm hmm. Because it doesn't mean they're crazy. It doesn't mean there are ghosts. It doesn't mean anything like that. It just, this is a normal thing that happens to teenagers. And it usually likely means that they are suffering from extreme stress or anxiety. And that is something that should be addressed because stress can lead to anxiety and consistent anxiety can lead to an anxiety disorder. And anxiety disorders are among the top disorders that people in general, but especially teenagers, suffer from when it comes to mental health.
1: Wow. That was a lot.
0: Yep. I know things.
1: You know lots of things. (laughs)
0: So that was sleep paralysis, and you talked. Uh, do you have any? Uh, what is something you learned?
1: Well, I learned that about a third of people experience sleep paralysis
0: at some point in their lifetime. That's at least crazy. Once. Well, no, it's a. Oh no, uh, a third of students third while of students. in school. Anywhere between eight percent and fifty percent of people affect, experience it at some point in their lifetime. Wow. So you're so just a coming. third of
1: students. Great. So it'll just be a matter of time before I am like you know wake up in the night with a pressure on my chest and it's not a cat.
0: Yeah, and it's terrifying. Great. Like, that's all the thing. It's okay to be scared. Yeah. Like, it's, it's generally okay. Like, we tell people, don't live in fear of this virus. You're allowed to be scared. It's yeah. okay.
1: So what did you learn?
0: Oh, here's the, the train. Listen. Yep. I can hear the train when I listen back on our episodes pretty often. It's yeah. awful. Um, what is something I learned? I learned that there's a 13,000 square mile space where there can't be, like, electronics. Yeah. It's crazy. That's bananas to me. Like, do they even have electricity?
1: They've got electricity. They've got, like... I guess they still have TV. It's just cable TV. Mm-hmm. And it's like, there's no cell phones, but they have landlines, and yeah.
0: Very cool. Huh. I only talked for about 40 minutes. Wow. I
1: talked for... I probably talked for less than 40 minutes, because 10 minutes for the intro. We had a long intro this time. We did.
0: We did. Um, all right. So... We are all over the social medias. You can find us at on the test pod on Instagram and on Twitter.
1: And you can find us on Facebook at uh, facebook.com slash on the test pod.
0: And our website is onthetestpod.com. We did have um we had transcripts. Here's the dealio. The robot transcriber we were using has changed what they do and we can't use them anymore. Yep. And we do not have the time to transcribe episodes, nor do we have the money because we currently do not have any ads. Maybe someday.
1: Maybe someday. So
0: us not having transcriptions for hopefully the time being, hopefully not forever, is not any kind of, you know, thumbing our nose at people who prefer to hear podcasts or prefer to ingest podcasts that way. Or people who might have some kind of hearing disability. It is simply because we can't afford to pay somebody, and the system we were using realized, honest to God, it's because they realized podcasters were using it. There's a thing on there about it. Huh. Yeah.
1: Wow. So we, we, great. We ruined something for people.
0: Um, there's still a free version you can use, but it's got extremely lip, like you can do three uploads per month. And it's, they have to be 40 minutes or less. Okay. So it's like, we're not disparaging the company in any way. You do what you got to do. I get it. But that's just, I just wanted to explain why we don't have transcripts for the yeah. time being. But the best way to reach us is Twitter or Facebook. So come reach out to us if you want me to try to do six degrees of separation between two random things. Or if you have an idea for a topic... Or if you want to just drop us a line and explain chlorogenic and serotogenic neurons to me because I got it wrong or something. Or if you have a cute cat,
1: because we will look at... We today discussed that, like, you know, we have cats, but every time we see a cute cat on the internet, we stop what we're doing and show it to the other one. So send us your cute cats. Yes,
0: yes, please do. And also, rate, review, subscribe, download. All of these things really, really help um, our podcast network that we're on. Um, It records downloads, not listens. So download us. Get on some Wi-Fi. Download us, please. It helps our numbers look good. If you like like us, write us an iTunes review or review on whatever site you use. I wish other ones did. I think that should really... I have mixed feelings on it, really. Yeah. Because there are people who just like, oh, this is a podcast about a religion I don't like. I'm going to give it a one star review and say they're all going to hell or whatever. That's not cool.
1: But you think, boy, they ramble on about stupid shit for hours, which is really why you should be listening to us to begin with. If you don't like that, why are you even listening to podcasts?
0: Yeah, seriously. I don't think I've ever given a podcast less than a five star review. No. Like, I listen to it. But if I don't like it, I just stop listening. Yeah. If I like it, I go on and write a review. Yeah. It just seems like, because people put a lot of work into these. If
1: I really like it, I'll go into the merch store and buy a t shirt. We don't have t shirts yet.
0: No, no. One of these days, maybe, once we're super rich in content. You know,
1: what's, what, what is our catchphrase that we put on a t shirt? But um. But um. <laughs> actually, I can think of one. And on that note, class, class dismissed.
0: dismissed.